all eyes on me in the center of the ring, just like a circus. When I crack that whip, everybody gonna trip, just like a circus. Don't stand there watching me, follow me, show me what you can do. Everybody let go, we can make a dance floor, just like a circus. Britney Spears. <laughs> I love that you wanted to share that quote. Britney's my boo. <laughs> You're listening to Jamie's Bits of Jam, a monthly storytelling podcast where we celebrate stories, fiction, even personal true stories, and poetry written by girls, women, ladies, broads, birds, and bricky brave gals. Each month is a new theme where we share short stories written by us, Christina, and Cassie, as well as by you, our listeners. This month's theme is circus. Mixture of a few songs. Our first story is from Cassie Soliday, entitled Showman's Rest. The elephants were too large to move, so they would be buried near where they fell. The heat lingered on the Indiana air, even though the fire that had broken out soon after the collision had been extinguished earlier that morning. Wooden truck beds were full of burnt and unidentified bodies as the injured lay in a grassy knoll nearby. Lionel, the lion boy, walks among them, his arm twisted backwards, broken. Ignoring the pain, he searches for his mother among the wreckage. Rowena was the perfect mother for him because, like him, she didn't speak. Often referred to as the ugliest of the circus-drawn triplets, she was actually the better performer. They performed with the elephants in lavish yellow feathers and costume jewels. While her sisters would go roll in the hay with the strong men, Rowena would love on her elephant partner, Ellie Bell, building the trust and connection for an amazing performance that their routine would need. It would only take a glance for Ellie Bell to lift Rowena high up into the sky among the clouds, and only a soft tap to be lowered to the ground. They performed as one unit, so immaculate that it is difficult to know where human began and elephant ends. It was that gentle spirit in which Lionel connected to when he first arrived at the Hammond Wexler Circus. Too large to move, they would be buried near where they fell. Unhappy with the hairy infant that had just escaped her prized daughter's womb, his real grandmother had paid the circus owner, Mr. Hammond, to take the lion baby off her hands. The mother and daughter swore never to speak of this again, as it could ruin their aristocratic reputation, and then played off the absent birth as a miscarriage. Obviously, a fund was pulled together for the grieving mother to have been, and the baby lion boy was thrown into the cage with the real lion cubs, en route to the next town on the cross-American tour. Luckily, Lionel was too young to remember any of this. He only knew Rowena and her loving embrace, the warmth of his tame cub siblings, and the bright lights and loud sounds of the circus. Right now, none of that was to be found. His childhood interrupted before him. He found a yellow feather lying feet away in a spot of dirt, some of the barb missing, leaving the feather poor and weathered. He brushed the feather against the back of his hand. It had lost its softness. He brushed the feather against his nose. It had lost its smell of Rowena's homemade rosewater fragrance. He held on tight. Near the edge of the woods, Lionel looked on, hoping that staying in one place would help Rowena find him. People who had once been familiar are now char or covered in dirt, blood, and bruises. 
Mammy, known as the woman with a double pelvis and a second pair of legs too short to be useful, lay on the knoll, seemingly crushed from impact. When Rowena needed to rehearse, Mammy was the one to watch over Lionel and brush the thick mane that covered his head. She smelled of saltwater taffy. The four-horse driver laid in charred pieces, his name forgotten amongst the dead who knew him. Rowena's oldest sister, the beauty that graced the promotional posters for the circus, lay face down in the blood-soaked dirt, her skin no longer glowing, her strong man nowhere to be found. If Lionel knew how to count, he would have lost count by now, as numbers of faceless, nameless performers were pulled from the burnt train car wreckage. They would be buried near where they fell. Lionel watched as ten local men pushed the last of the elephants into a shallow hole. Ellie Bell lay lifeless as they began piling dirt on top of her. Lionel walked over and fell to his knees beside her huge trunk, which stuck out from the dirt. He picked it up in his tiny hands. He brushed his mother's yellow feather against Ellie Bell's skin. The mucus surrounding the edges of her nostrils were dried, her final breath long gone. This story is inspired by the Hammond Circus train wreck that happened on June 22, 1918 in Hessville, Indiana, noted as one of the worst train wrecks in U.S. history. It was reported that 86 people died and another 127 were injured when a locomotive engineer fell asleep and ran his train into the rear of another that carried the Hagenbach Wallace Circus. Our next piece is by featured writer Lacey Lemke, and entitled, Horses. Ever since she was a child, all Maggie could ever think about was horses. She loved everything about them, their manes, their speed, and especially how free they were. In the field behind her house, an old rancher let her ride his horses from time to time. She loved to go out there and just watch them run for hours. She dreamt of a life where she could devote herself to these magnificent creatures and do nothing all day but take care of horses. On a trip into town, Maggie had spotted a flyer for a small circus coming next weekend. Once she saw the pictures of the scantily clad lady standing on top of the horses as they ran, she knew she had to go. She got home as quickly as she could and counted her money. The flyer said tickets for $20, but she only had seven. She nearly cried. Upon hearing this, her mother came into the room. Maggie, what's wrong? She sat on the side of the bed, stroking her daughter's hair. Mom, I have to go to the circus. I have to see those horses. They're just beautiful and I just have to see them. She buried her face in her, pu in her pillow. Well, we really don't have the money right now, but I can talk to Mrs. Weston about you helping out at her store for a little extra money. Really? She'd hire me? Well, you are only 12, but I'm sure there's sweeping and dusting you can do. She's a sweet lady. I'm sure we can talk her into it. Oh, thank you, Mommy. Maggie wrapped her arms around her mother. You're welcome, baby. Her mother hugged her back and laughed. The next day, Maggie got a phone call. Mrs. Weston had accepted the offer for her to come down and help out at the store. Maggie was so excited. She couldn't wait to get started. She was charged with light cleaning and greeting customers as they arrived. She worked diligently until evening when it was time to close. Here you are, my dear. Your day's pay. Mrs. Weston gave her three $1 bills. Maggie looked at them and smiled. 
Thank you, Mrs. Weston. I'll be back tomorrow after school. She took the money and headed off towards home. At this rate, she'd have enough money to go and then some. She had to walk past the large fairground that would soon house colorful tents and lots of animals. Maggie stood and watched as people from the city cleaned and got the land ready. She almost couldn't contain her excitement and ran the rest of the way home. The next day on her way to the shop, she was stopped by a man in a colorful jacket. Excuse me, young lady, where would I find the fairgrounds around here? I'm due to set up for the circus. Perhaps you've heard of Lord Tom Free's Spellbinding Spectacular. Of course, the fairgrounds are on 47th Street, just a few blocks down. Maggie beamed. Sir, may I ask a favor? Well, since you've done me one, I suppose I can indulge you. The man smiled. I would love to see the horses. Maggie almost screamed. She was so excited. The horses? Most little girls and boys want to see the tigers, the bears, or the performers. All right, my dear. Before the show next weekend, come by the fairgrounds, and I'll let you see the horses before anyone else. Maggie squealed and hugged the man. Oh, thank you, Lord Tomfrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, my dear. And you may. Just call me Tom. Tom tipped his patchwork hat at her, got into a small lime green punch buggy, and drove off. Maggie was beaming, grinning from ear to ear as she made her way to work. She would get to see her beloved horses before anyone else. Nothing could have made her happier. She thought one day when she grew up of maybe joining the circus as a horse handler. She let her imagination play out all day until the end of her shift. Mrs. Weston gave her her pay and sent her on home, happy that Maggie had been in such a good mood all day. It even made the customers smile just by seeing her. Maggie continued her daily routine of school, work, home, until the day before the circus. She had been watching them set up every day on her way home, and it only made her excitement grow. She had just finished her shift at the shop and collected her last day's pay. She was making her way home when she saw Lord Tomfrey again talking to a man on the sidewalk. She ran up to him excited. Hello again, Tom. She grinned brightly at him. Lord Tomfrey was taken aback slightly, but smiled when he realized who she was. Hello again, little Maggie. Little Maggie, you were the one who wanted to see my horses, right? Maggie nodded eagerly. Promises, promises. Come by the fairgrounds tomorrow around eight in the morning, and I'll be happy to show you the horses. I'll be there. I'm so excited I can't hardly wait. Lord Tomfrey tipped his patchwork hat at her again. Maggie ran down the street towards home, unaware that the two men had just been arguing, and continued to argue after she had left. The next day, Maggie awoke bright and early. She got ready and ran the whole way to the fairgrounds. When she arrived, she told the man guarding the gate who she was and was led inside. She was directed to a cluster of campers that housed the main crew of the show. She knocked on the door of the biggest camper, and Lord Tomfrey came out. Right on time. His outfit made Maggie giggle. Yellow pinstripe black pants with a white shirt that looked like it belonged to a pirate. His jacket was a dark red with gold trim and long tails. His patchwork top hat completed the ensemble. He led her towards the farthest part of the grounds. She could hear the animals and grinned. She was led to a medium-sized tent where two women were brushing and grooming horses. Maggie squealed and ran up to them. "You must be Maggie." One of the women, a young redhead, stood up and held out her hand. "My name's Olivia. I'm one of the caretakers of the horses." Maggie shook her hand furiously. Olivia laughed at her excitement. "You remind me of me when I was your age. I've always loved horses too. So does Jamie here. She's a vet as well as a caretaker. 
the other woman, a tall blonde, stood up and shook Maggie's hand as well. Would you like to meet the others before you play with the horses? She waved to three other women in the tent. Oh my gosh, yes! Maggie almost jumped up and down. Finally, people who understood her and could appreciate horses the way she did. Jamie called for the other girls to come over and meet Maggie. I'm Gloria. This is Alice and Foo. Maggie shook all their hands. Do you girls ride the horses in the show? They laughed. No, no. We're in charge of taking care of them. The performers are in their tents getting ready. You can meet them later. Right now, would you like to feed some of the horses? Maggie nodded and was given a few carrots. She walked over to a large white horse. It snorted a little and backed away. It's all right, Hannah. She's got a treat for you. Foo guided Maggie's hand up. The horse sniffed and took the carrot. Maggie laughed and walked over to a painted horse. This is Barton. He prefers sugar cubes. Alice gave her a few, and Maggie held out her hand for Barton to take them. He seemed apprehensive, but relented when Alice touched him. Maggie couldn't believe the fun she was having. She was living her dream, and soon she'd get to see these beautiful creatures galloping around with lovely ladies doing tricks in their saddles. She went around and fed every horse until she came to the last one, a white and brown girl with a blonde mane. This is Trudy. She is new to our family. Olivia came over to her. We picked her up at the last town, but she's not been adjusting well. Maggie walked over and cautiously reached a hand up. She pet the strong neck and ran her fingers through the silky mane. She's beautiful. Maggie was so busy petting her horse, she didn't notice a man came barging into the tent. Where is she? Where's Trudy? He was panting, red in the face, and clearly very angry. You stole her from me. Where is she? Maggie recognized him as the man she'd seen talking with Laura Tomfrey the night before. She tried to walk over, but Jamie held her back. The other girls tried to calm him down, but to no avail. He kept screaming louder and louder. The horses became upset. Trudy, the horse he was screaming for, began pulling at her harness and trying to break free. She was becoming violent, and so were the others, tugging at their harnesses and knocking things over. Laura Tomfrey came rushing into the tent. How dare you! We had a contract. I kept my end of the bargain. Now you keep yours. He held a paper in his hand. I never agreed to what you did to my Trudy, the man huffed menacingly. What was that? We gave her exactly what she wanted. She will come back to you. And when the contract expires in four years, till then, she works for me. The man huffed for a moment. You won't hurt her, will you? Lord Tomfrey looked appalled. Of course not. She's going to be a star. I would never hurt one of my stars. Now you just go on home. Now make sure you keep updated on Trudy and send you lots of pictures. The man seemed to calm down a little. All right. As long as she doesn't get hurt, I can live with it. It's what she's always wanted anyway. He looked around a moment before turning around. I'm sorry for the disturbance, ladies. Good day. He walked out of the tent and everything calmed down. Lord Tomfrey? Maggie said, her voice quivering. Oh, my dear girl. Lord Tomfrey rushed over to her. Are you all right? Maggie nodded. Who was that man? He gave us Trudy for four years as a performer. He was a little upset about our terms. Lord Tomfrey patted Maggie on the head. I think that's enough excitement for one day. Run along now and get ready for the show tonight. Maggie did as she was told and went home. She and her mother got ready for the show got there early so they could have front row seats. 
They ate their popcorn and enjoyed watching the clowns as they entertained everyone getting seated. The lights dimmed, and a hush fell over the tent. A spotlight illuminated the center stage. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Lord Tomfrey spoke into a megaphone. Thank you, and welcome to Lord Tomfrey's Spellbinding Spectacular. We have mystery, mischief, and of course, magic. Enjoy the show, and remember, if your children want to run, want to run away with us, that's your fault, not ours. Laughter erupted from the audience as the lights burst on, and then the whole tent was illuminated, showing various performers coming onto the stage. Maggie didn't really care about any of that, though. She just wanted to see her horses. Soon she got her wish, and the horses came trotting out with girls in bedazzled pink leotards standing on their backs. She gazed longingly as they did their tricks, and the girls did splits and handstands in the saddles. It was the best thing Maggie had ever seen. Once the show was over, Maggie begged her mother to let her go see the horses again and tell the girls goodbye. She relented, and they went to the horse tent. There were the girls taking the costumes off the horses and getting them ready to be fed. Hi, Jamie, Maggie said, running up to her. Hi, Maggie. Did you enjoy the show? Maggie nodded. As they were talking, Lord Tomfrey slipped up behind them and whispered into her mother's ear. She nodded and walked away a little. Maggie, sweetie, come here, please. Her mother called after a moment. Maggie left Jamie and went to her mother's side. Yes, mommy. Well, after talking it over with Lord Tomfrey here, we agreed that we can set up a contract with you to help with the horses for the show for the summer. Yesterday was your last day of school, right? Maggie nodded, too dumbfounded to speak. Good. You can come back tomorrow and get ready. Your mother and I will go over the contract and get everything set up. Maggie nearly fainted. She was going to spend the whole summer taking care of horses. She couldn't have been more excited. Her mother explained that they had a program that taught school-aged children about animal care and accounted towards school credit. Everything was on the up and up, and it was what Maggie had always wanted. The next day, Maggie was already packed and ready to go. Her mother was teary-eyed, but knew this was an opportunity she couldn't let her daughter pass up. They said their goodbyes, and Maggie was led to the horse tent to start getting ready for her training. The girls were already there, but something didn't seem quite right. She shrugged it off and let Alice take her things. So what do I do first? She asked. She could hardly contain her enthusiasm. Drink this, and we'll get started. Foo handed her a glass of water. Maggie drank as she was told and gave back the glass. What na- She fell woozy, and the tent began to swirl. Next week, get your stall ready, Jamie said, walking away. Stall? Maggie fell woozy and was suddenly gripped with pain. Yes, where else would you sleep, silly? Olivia came around the corner. You made a contract with Lord Tomfrey. You're ours for the next three months. Maggie fell to the ground as pain gripped through her. She felt herself changing, her body growing. She closed her eyes, and when she reopened them, everything was different. She stood up and looked down at the girls. Well, Maggie, Olivia said, giving her a pat on the neck, you have a beautiful brown coat. Maggie tried yelling for her mother, but all that came out was neighing. Come on now, Maggie, let's get you something to eat. She was led into a tent and a bag of oats put over her mouth. She was then reined and tied to a post. She ate her oats and tried to figure out what was happening. She looked over at the other horses and it finally clicked. This is what they had always wanted too. Suddenly, 
She didn't feel so bad about her predicament. She wasn't just going to be caring for the horses, she was going to be joining them. She was going to be in the show. Three months wasn't that long, and all the others seemed happy here. She decided that she was going to be the best performer that they had ever seen. Then, they let her stay forever. Our final act is Christina Kishpaw with her story, Fool for You. It was the year of 1964. Jenny O'Malley was 17 years old and she was the belle of her town. Beauty and grace. A button nose, piercing green eyes, strawberry blonde curls. Any guy would do anything for Jenny. There was something different about her. Different than the other girls. They followed her around like fools. Brian, the quarterback, Josh, the student body president, Xavier, the bad boy with the leather jacket and the Harley. To her, they were all just fools. It was ironic then that Jenny only pined for Curtis. Curtis had pale white skin, huge feet, fire engine red hair, and a huge smile with a big red nose. Yes, Curtis was a clown. But Jenny was his fool. It started four years ago. Jenny was 13 and went with her father to the circus that had pulled into town for the weekend. None of the other clowns caught her eye the way Curtis did. He was always the last to pile out of that VW bug and every time her heart did a flip. He was thinner than the other clowns, having opted out of wearing any type of padding. He wore a colorful tuxedo with a blue and yellow polka-dotted bow tie, and he was so adorable. Now, every year, the circus comes to town. Jenny goes and tries to catch the attention of Curtis, the clown. She would make sure to be in the front row every night, wearing her prettiest dress and her face and hair up so every shining attribute of her appearance would shine brighter than those of the show lights. This year, Jenny was devastated when she found out Curtis was not with the clowns. She spent the whole show in a daze. She couldn't believe it. Where did he go? They did have a new cute ringmaster, but he was no Curtis. She mourned the loss of him and his bow tie. She sat there until she was the only audience member left. She didn't even flinch when someone sat next to her. She looked up and recognized the fresh face of the new ringmaster. She mustered a half smile and then looked down again. He smiled. What did you think of the show? It was very good. Really? You sure? You look like you just watched your dog get kicked, little lady. I was just expecting something else. Oh. Well, sorry we couldn't deliver you exactly what you wanted, but... Maybe what you thought was missing was actually there all along? She shakes her head. No, he... I mean, it wasn't. I don't mean to be rude, Mr. Ringmaster, but... I don't think I'll be returning to this circus again. Good night. She goes to stand when suddenly he hands her the bow tie. The bow tie. Curtis's bow tie. She holds it like an injured baby bird. She looks up at the ringmaster. He's grinning from ear to ear. I've been watching you watch me. Every year I put on the best show just for you. To make you smile and to make you laugh. It's what I live for. 
I knew you would never be able to truly love me in my clown makeup. So I worked hard and got promoted to ringmaster. For you. For us. See the real me. The real Curtis. Jenny looks blankly at him. She hands back the bow tie and turns to walk away. Curtis touches her arm as she leaves. She turns back to face him. Where are you going? A single tear falls down Jenny's face. It leaves a white streak down her rosy cheek. She wipes it away and her face smudges and reveals skin underneath that is pale white. Curtis looks very confused. She keeps wiping her face with her sleeve and soon her true face emerges. She has naturally white skin, a very red nose, and when she removes her sleek strawberry blonde wig, a mop of bright fire engine red curly hair breaks free. Person. Curtis is shocked, his mouth agape. She looks him up and down and frowns. Sorry, Curtis. You just weren't what I thought you would be. She turns and waddles away. Curtis hadn't noticed those giant feet either. This has been the Jamie Spits of Jam Storytelling Podcast. Episode produced by Christina Kishpaw and Cassie Soliday. Music composed by Grace Sai. I love you, Grace. <laughs> we love you so much. We love you, Thank Grace. you so much. Thank you so much. You're a saint. <laughs> a saint among us. Follow us on Facebook at Jamiest Bits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits O Jam Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. Check out our upcoming themes. And if you feel a spark, consider contributing to the show with your own story. We accept short fiction, nonfiction, or poetry. Yeah, we're pretty open. Yeah. We're, pro- we're progressive. We're progressive here. <laughs> Not only short stories. We're but, a progressive uh... organization. <laughs> organization of three. Here at Jammy Spits of Jam, we believe that every woman has a unique voice. Our mission is to build a platform in which to share these voices, and that is why every writer retains the rights to their story. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you. <laughs> For more information, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until next time, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice. Your voice. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> is that my voice? <laughs> so if you're not ready to run away with the circus after these stories... I don't know what's going to do it. I certainly want to. No, I don't. I don't uh, want to run away from the After the story I wrote, I, like, all I can think about is that train crash, and I don't really, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to run away with the circus. Uh-huh. The circus always freaked me out when I was little. My yeah? parents were like, we're going to the circus, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's kind of scary. But then they bought me, you know, like, cotton candy, and it was fine. That's good. <laughs> so, whenever you're freaking out, I just cotton yeah, candy. Just shove sugar in my mouth. Just shove it all in your... <laughs> I was good to go. Very nice. <laughs>